convince myself that like the machines had put a little Easter egg in the reality machine of like if a certain user is able to discover item number one weed and item number two mushrooms, then they'll see the entire <laughs> video game and see the grids in the simulation. So yeah. I was like, I was like, did I just like uncover the secret to seeing the AI intelligence system that has, that is actually what the universe is? He broke through. Yeah, broke I, was, through. I was like, this was put here by the machines so that humans could maybe know that there's a simulation just so they can laugh at us. Now I'll, I'll ask you a question about that in a second, but real quick, I'm sitting down with Duncan Sly and that's how you pronounce it, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. That's figured. Sweet baby Sly. Sweet, Sweet, baby, li- Sly. Sweet baby Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, the man, the myth, mm-hmm. the legend, the man who uh, made me quit podcasting for quite some <laughs> oh, time. <no. laughs> it was oh, funny. God. I'll tell the story real quick. So I was, uh, we were on a show together at uh, Kayaki's house. Sure, yeah. Shout out Kayaki. Mm-hmm. Shout um, out Kayaki. And it's the first time I've ever seen you play. And you had your famous song, uh, what is it? What is it actually so it's called? It's changed titles a lot. Right now, I'm calling it my podcast. My podcast. <laughs> so I can say, does anybody want to listen to my podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. And I remember sitting there. You went first, and I was on next. Or no, no, no. I think I, I that sounds right. It could have been either way. I can't remember. I know. I, I know. It was a long time ago. It was, it was like, a long time it was ago. A year ago at this point. Um, I was listening to it, and I was like, damn. <laughs> I didn't mean to I call take you my, out like No, that, no, but. it was like, no, because I was like, I take myself way too seriously. And I was already like kind of in the headspace of like, this isn't working for me. I don't like how this is functioning in my life. I don't mm. really feel like doing this anymore. Um, and it, that's it's kind of one of those things like you can't do something like this if you're not all in. You know what I mean? And to the, your song, I was like, dude, I got to stop for a while. <laughs> like... I, well, I think having direction is really important, and and with like with like everything, and like if there's a demand for something, then you should try to fill that demand. Um, wh- wh- when I wrote that song, it was like middle of the pandemic, 2020, maybe even like beginning of the pandemic, 2020, mm-hmm. and all that was happening was podcasts. Yes. Like that was it. And yeah. People and especially straight white guys um, like myself, guilty. Um, yeah, uh, would would like had nothing bored out of their fucking minds and thought that they had the answer to the universe, and so they would sure. go onto and, and record themselves. And anybody could do it because all you need is a microphone, and yeah, an internet connection. Um, I've kind of softened on my stance since I wrote that because like it was kind of low hanging fruit at the time. Like it was like, yeah, everybody's making a podcast, so let's make fun of it. But now it's like. I, th- I've been playing that song a lot for a long time and it's made me think about it more because um, I don't think it's such a, like a, I don't know if it's really vanity that drives people to make podcasts, um, I, which is probably the headspace that I was in when I first wrote that song. Now mm-hmm. I think it's like, I think there's just a collective desire to create. Yeah. It, I was thinking about this on the drive over here. It's like if I recorded if something happened in front of me and i had my phone out and i recorded it and it was incredibly funny just whatever happened in front of me some genuine real funny thing happened and i put it on tiktok mm-hmm. there's a genuine reality where that gets like two million people to see that sure you know like, like there's a really like i've never posted anything on tiktok before if i saw something profoundly funny in my life and put it on the internet it might blow up mm-hmm. it very well could um, and then there might be like 10, 1,000 to 10,000 to 40,000 people who are paying attention to what I post from then on. And that sounds like a good life where, where if I have like a 10K, 20K fans that are super into what I do, that's not being famous by any means, but that's a reason to keep making stuff. Um, I think like where I was in that, in that spot at the time was like, 
I wanted to be making content, but I didn't have anybody to please. And mm. so I think everybody wants an audience to please because then they're like, if I knew people were counting on me to make this stuff, I'd be making it all the time. So I th it's a long-winded way of, of saying like, originally when I wrote that song, I think I thought that people were being very vain and like wanting to put their message out there. Um, and then also there's plenty of podcasts that are filling a specific purpose, um, mm. which I, which can be any podcast. Like I think there should be a good podcast based in Savannah. Like that's something that should happen. Mm -hmm. But I also realized that it's not vanity. It's like, there's a little bit of a desperation in some places. Like I remember one time I played that song at wormhole and some guy came up to me afterwards and was like, dude, let's really do it. Like we can really, like, <laughs> I, and like the, <laughs> we the, could save democracy. He thought that it was like me calling for help and that right, he, right. he was having the same call for help. And he thought that right, we would be right. two kindred souls that could do this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my friend. <laughs> no. Yeah. The irony escapes. I think that's one of the things I love most about that song is that it's, it's a very comedic song where it do, it's not, I mean, you said it was low hanging fruit. I disagree. And it's not, I feel like most comedy songs that I hear are usually like sexual in nature. And it's like, it's kind of a hack thing uh, for, for me. Cause it's like, okay, you're just finding a way to rhyme the last word with penis I know or balls mean. or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you just like, it was so funny because I think you were correct. I would say that 2020 was like the high watermark for podcasts. Has to be, right? And it was like, there was something at one point, it was like over 900 million podcasts, which is crazy. It's just, it's, it's like it's a mind boggling. Of, I don't even know if there's like that many people, uh, trying to make music at a professional level. I'm sure there is like if you go worldwide, but certainly not in America. But it, it, it makes sense, right? It's like it, it's like you, if you want to make music, you have to have a guitar too. You don't need to know how to play guitar to do a podcast. You just need a microphone. Yeah. You need a phone, really. Everybody's got a phone. A lot of people, uh, yeah, you can actually do it via um, via phone mm -hmm. through uh, like what I release on as Anchor, yeah. which is just like an easy RSS feed. But yeah, you can record right on your phone into the into the platform and just upload that way. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I really liked it. it. It definitely came at a really good time for me. Cause like now, so I took, I took quite a while off. I took from when we did that show, which was what, like early 2020? No, uh, it 2021. Like, it was, I, I think it was winter. And so it doesn't feel like yeah. it was that crazy long ago. So it must've been like December or January, 2020. That sounds, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, And I, I gave it up and now, what I kind of look at it is, is like, uh, I've, I've met a lot of really good people down here mm -hmm. and I'm about to move in March. So I'm kind of chronicling people that I really liked before I leave. Cause I'll probably stop doing it again when I leave. Where are you moving to? Madison, Wisconsin. I was thinking about moving to Madison about a year ago. Dude, fucking come to Madison. I was me. thinking about we'll it. We'll do a so, podcast. Are you, are you, I was Dude. gonna. I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna work for a place called Epic Systems. Yeah, I know Epic and yeah. uh, in uh, Verona. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. gonna go. So I was just. So I just graduated college in May, and I was looking for the. Um, I was just looking for like a, a big boy job, yeah. as they say. Um, I figured I got my hunting license. So it was time to go make sixty k. Um, and Hell so yeah. I. Uh, yeah. So and and. And I was looking at this job from Epic Systems um, in Madison, and I was looking at, I was researching Madison. It looks like a great place to live. My uh, um, um, fiance's best friend works at Epic. Yeah, yeah. it feels, and I could tell that was like a big employer in the yeah, area. Absolutely, it's and, like it's like Epic, and then the university, the university, yeah. and then. Um, oh, what's the other big one there? It it escapes me, but but I I was and then like I. I was like doing the onboarding process. Like I was, I was on my way to doing it. And, um, 
And then I remember I was really hungover when the guy called me for the phone interview. <laughs> uh, I think it was the day after St. Patty's. Uh, okay. Uh, and then, um, and I was like, I don't want to leave Savannah. Like yeah. I, I had it all pictured. I was like, I could, I could calculate the amount of months I'd be out of debt. I could see the front yard and the dog and the two and a half kids. Yeah. And the captive wife, uh, and not yeah, actually yeah, captive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, socially ma- mail order, mail mail order. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, obviously. Cruelty free. Cruelty free. Organic, um, <laughs> preferably <laughs> vegan, um, preferably, preferably, uh, and um, and I was like, I can't leave Savannah yet. Yeah, like I felt like I was working on something here, and I can't really leave it yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in line with like me figuring out that I wanted to kind of stop for a while, I thought it was really cool. One night at the Bean, you got on stage, and was this what we were talking about up top, where you came up and you were like, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to play music in the same capacity anymore. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. So was that, that the same That was experience? probably right after that awful mushroom trip I mentioned. Well, yeah, you started with that when you got on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. Yes, it's the same. That's what, I, that's what I thought. Um, uh, I thought funny. it was incredibly, uh, incredibly brave to get up there and basically it's, I mean, because the first time I performed with you, I mean, you were very dedicated to music. Like it, uh, I didn't necessarily see it as, you would put it like oh, you're trying to take up the frightened rabbit guy's mantle or anything like that, but uh, you seem very dedicated to wanting to be a great songwriter, and then to get up on stage and be like, I don't want this. Like, cause how old are you? Twenty six. So that's, I mean, I would say that's a pretty, pretty big step in your mid twenties to be to completely shift a life goal. Yeah. It, it- it was also just the right thing to do, which is like weird because now I'm making, I'm writing more songs and playing more music than I ever have in my life. Mm. And the whole reason why is because I'm not putting my pressure on myself to be this professional musician. Okay. And it was like, it was just all a matter of how I perceived myself. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, like you mentioned Frightened Rabbit, like I'm the biggest Scott Hutchison fan who's ever lived. Um, that's not true at all. There's Scottish people who are probably bigger Frightened Rabbit They're about Rabbit to fight fans. you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But fly here to I th- I'm confident enough in saying that in the southeastern United States, you could probably count on one hand bigger Frightened Rabbit fans than me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm just, a, I'm just a massive fan of that band, and he took his own life in 2018, so I had this like... I had this like drive, this like fire that was like this tattooable passion to be like, like I, I I have to do this, like this is what I'm put here to do. But I, but the the only problem was that that's what I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. That wasn't like, that probably wasn't the thing that I'm perfect for. Like, mm. like I'm, uh, by I I just had to think about what I really want and. Um, I wanted to, and the thing that I wanted at the time was to be Frightened Rabbit, and that's not me. Like, it's not for anybody except for the people that were in that band. Where do you think that came from? <sighs> just idolizing somebody, okay. you know, and just like, and because that was, I did that a lot growing up. Like, I would just find one hero, and I would just, I would really hang my ego on everything they did and mm. be just like them, and that was a pattern of behavior all throughout my childhood and teenager and early 20s and so I think when I decided that like do I really want to be a musician Mm. or do I just want to make people feel as good as these musicians made me feel Mm. it was taking like a step back and being like let's look at this more broadly and see if there's a better way to achieve the same thing 
And so from that point forward, I was just more concerned in building community mm. and being there for my friends and making people feel good rather than just playing music for people. Yeah. And once that happened, all of a sudden, I wasn't comparing myself to anybody. Mm. I was only comparing myself to me. Yesterday, really, is what the idea was. Because I like it's just a bad trap to get into. If you start comparing yourself to your heroes, you're going to start looking at where this person was at your age and then what were they doing when they were 26, 27, 28, and you will just dig yourself into a deeper and deeper hole until you look around and you're like, holy shit, I wasted a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I kind of ha- I had, this, had this realization that may or may have not been drug-induced um, where, uh, I was, where I was just kind of like, I was having like a really, really bad mushroom trip. And then um, when I decided to not really consider myself a musician anymore, it turned into this really pleasant, relaxed vibe where mm. I was like, oh God, this is what else. This is what this is supposed to feel like. Right. Um, so I think it was just taking a step back and being like, do I really want to be a musician or do I just want to make people happy? And And then once I kind of decided that, that I just want to make people happy, I was able to kind of measure the things that I'm actually really good at. Mm-hmm. And and then I realized that I still love playing music. Yeah. And that I just wasn't stopping to, even though I told myself I'm not a musician, I still found myself picking up the guitar every day without thinking. And so it it's doesn't like, have to, it doesn't have to be uh, a, like a win at all costs thing. No, it doesn't. Like you all. don't have to. There, yeah. and, and also what is winning? There's no such thing. It's, you know, it sounds like from like kind of what I'm hearing is like the two things were like, you were having trouble like identifying who, who you were yes. like who you wanted to be it was an identity and, crisis and at the same time um uh fuck i can't no, I, no, I, I had it i had it but yeah it seems like it was like those those uh that was like what was playing out i would compare it to a coming out story it's like i never mm. like it's so funny because I always wished, like, a part of me always wished that I was like super gay or like trans <laughs> or like, or something. Cause like, cause like I always felt like a black sheep. I always felt like I didn't like fit in in the in the groups growing up and stuff. And I, but I never had this big coming out story. You wanted a reason why. Yeah, or just like, or or just like, it's it's identity, right? Like yeah, the yeah. people have sexual identity, they have gender identity, and then I just, but my identity wasn't fitting, and I couldn't yeah. figure out what it was. Okay. And it wasn't this big label that I could just throw on it, like oh, I was gay the whole time. Right, right, you know, right. it was it was I had invented an identity for myself that wasn't correct. Yeah, and it was Duncan's the indie rock musician. And okay, and that's not who I am. Like I might maybe whatever I am part of that is being an indie rock musician, mm-hmm. you know? But it's not which, the full scope of who you are as a person. Not, not even close. Well, and honestly, like even indie rock musicians, that's not the entire scope of their personality. No. It's just the, it's the side of the pyramid you're seeing. It's reductionist. Yeah. That, yeah. The mindset that I had at the time. But you are a writer. Yeah. I think, I think that, well, and, and to even being more broad, I think I'm a storyteller. I think okay. I tell stories. Um, and writing is the most direct way for me to do that whether it's songwriting or script writing or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, like storytelling, communicating, um, and, and community building. I think those things, I, those, that's what I do. I, 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 I'm the person who comes into the room and then helps yeah. whatever needs to be helped, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. and, 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 um, and it's so much, such a relief to yeah. think of it that way. It's so much better than just being like, you better release a fucking album or else yeah. you're going to fall behind. It's right, right, right. takes all of that out of the equation. Yeah. You know, I think that was the other thing I was getting at is like the amount of pressure you were putting on yourself to it, like make it work. 
it's just weird when you give yourself this label that you can label other people and then you see what they're doing with that label and what you're doing and it's like it just it's a trap it's it's a yeah. problem and yeah. and um and so instead of like changing myself to fit that label i changed the label to fit myself and that's so right right yeah, yeah. And, and well it's like i think it's like it's very profound you were able to like see that within yourself and take action against it because a lot of times i think um I don't know. I've had I've had really good uh, experiences with psychedelics. Like mm-hmm. they've they've really helped. I yeah, think so I. sort of fix some of the ways I was thinking. Because the thing about hopping on board of something like that is you're in it. You've ingested this thing, <laughs> and hours. there's not a single thing you can do about it. Yeah. So you sort of it it, it teaches you patience, and it teaches you. Um, about like self reflection, mm-hmm. and I think even then, sometimes people don't put into action what they realize. Sometimes they even double down on the thing that was causing them the issue in the first place. So I think I applaud you for being able to make the realization and then make the change necessary. And it seems like you're better for it. Well, thanks. Yeah, I I think I am, and um, it's it, it's the the I don't know. Like, it's really really hard to gauge because um. Part of, one of the lyrics in the song is our idols always told us to follow our dreams. So would you make a podcast for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that's kind of always the part that's resonated with me personally. That's like the one lyric that I'll never change because because um, I was told repeatedly over and over again when I was growing up, don't quit on your dreams or else you'll regret it forever. Mm-hmm. And even if that dream sucks, <laughs> just don't give up on your dream. Says Mr. Disney, don't 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 give up on that dream. That's it's most of it's more important than who you are. Your dreams are more important than you. And it's really not true. And and it's really amazing the kind of profound happiness you can feel from doing small things for people close to you. It's like we we've all been told stories growing up of like the of like the Miley of, of you know the Miley Cyrus and the Taylor Swift of the 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 very small, unassuming person who has a big talent and they're discovered and then yeah. everybody loves them. Yeah. Um, and that's great. And that's some people and those people who are that should pursue that. And that's mm-hmm. their, that. And then they'll hopefully be happy because that's their identity and they found the right identity. But that's that's not the biggest market in the world. Well, and also like how many of those people have an absolute crisis yeah. in their late and teenage realize, years. Realize they haven't made a single decision for themselves this entire time. Yeah, Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber. Like any child actor, and people has... fall in love with these people hard when they go through whatever metamorphosis they need to go through, mm-hmm. and then come out on the other side of it. Like people love Taylor Swift now mm-hmm. in a way that they used to not. Like, mm-hmm. like when I grew up, it was cool to make fun of Taylor Swift. Yeah, or um, Justin Bieber. It still kind of is, but um, there's yeah. definitely a marked difference in how those careers have 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 shifted. It's yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know as much about Justin Bieber, but I do know that Taylor Swift is working with whoever the fuck she wants to work with. Yeah, and that's that to me. That's all I want. I just want yeah. to be able to work with people that are fascinating to me. She was one of the few people in the world who's transcended, starting as a country musician and into pop almost seamlessly. Like um, almost yeah. nobody noticed. Um, it's like her and um, oh shit, what's her name? Um, she's I think she's Canadian. She's a legend. Oh, um, um Faith Hill. She counts. That's not who I was thinking of, but oh, okay. we, let's just say that. Faith Hill, yeah. Shania Twain? Yeah, that's it. That's it, Shania Twain. She <laughs> might the only she, two Canadians. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Besides, well, I mean, Celine Dion, but she's not country. She ain't country. Those are the three Canadians. Those are, that, that's N. Bieber. 
Yeah, I'm Bieber. Brian Adams. We're just going to start like yeah, naming how my many friend Canadians Tim. we know. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to Canadians You Canadians. Know, the podcast. Uh, on this episode, we'll discuss Neil Young. It's one of those things. It is interesting because I really enjoy podcasts that have like a very, what it's, it seems like, sort of organic and utilitarian theme. Like there's, uh, there's this one, it's called... Um, like my fiance is really into it. It's called Two Hot Takes. And okay. the whole thing is the host brings somebody in and they just go through Reddit posts. <laughs> and that's kind of it. And it's, a, I mean, it's sort of broad, but it's like, that's the functionality of it. And there's a theme to the show. And I think it's, you know, it's it's really well organized. And I think what's interesting now is because like what you're talking about earlier is like the saturation level of podcast. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost like that splintering and you're watching the different types of podcasts that play. So like crime podcasts are- It's huge. Massive. Yeah. Um, I would say that podcasts that are, you know, more around the three, three and a half hour mark are on the decline. Mm-hmm. Whereas like shorter, maybe one hour podcasts are more on the incline, fingers crossed for, for this. I, <laughs> no, I, no, but I think, and, and like, I, it's, it is funny because like taste is like, like it just shows how saturated, not just the market is, but the audience is because, mm-hmm. um, because I am aware of how incredibly popular true crime and murder mystery podcasts are. Yeah. And I've never listened to a single episode of any single one of those podcasts. And mm-hmm. I consider myself like a heavy podcast listener. Yeah. Like, like, so it's, it's, it's kind of encouraging because it's almost like, well, maybe somebody will be interested in this because mm-hmm. I'm interested in some weird shit, yeah. and uh, and maybe other people are too. Um, I'm like I there's this great movie podcast that I listen to um, called The Rewatchables, which is um, Bill Simmons, who's an ESPN oh, ex ESPN mm-hmm. guy, who's a he's just, just a big sports guy, like definitely especially basketball. Yeah, um, it's just him and his friends at the Ringer, and all they do is talk about movies they like to rewatch and then they use sports analogies to make it palatable to the audience. Okay. It's not a pod. It's probably a podcast that I can talk about with one or two other people that I've ever met in my entire life, because yeah. I don't know that many people who are as big into movies and sports as me, mm-hmm. but be- it's just the perfect thing for me because when you compare, um, Harrison Ford dropping 38 like LeBron James mm-hmm. like that's to me that's like that's so resonant like I know exactly what you mean <laughs> right, when right, you say right. that but yeah. like n- plenty of people be like what the hell even is that so I don't know like it's 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 it almost feels like there's a place for every idea now um yeah somewhere um if it's not a podcast it's a TikTok if it's not a TikTok it's a live stream like mm-hmm. it's Twitch it's everything like I don't know. It's just it's it's. I think I'm, 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 I'm. Everybody has quoted the what's who said everybody's going to get 15 minutes of fame. Um, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he was, was also on a lot of drugs at the time. He was. And he's. But he nailed just, it. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> well, now with the advent of smartphones and being able to film people freaking out on the street, I think there is a. Yeah, I know. There's a I lot mean, of truth to that. Yeah, I guess he probably didn't really know. Like he couldn't have known exactly what he what how correct he was like nah this is he was like man i'm fucking high right now i think this will sound really cool everybody's gonna be famous man yeah for 15 minutes dude it's like so good that's exactly how he talked when um yeah that's a perfect yeah look it up perfect (laughs) andy warhol (laughs) impression that's actually what you're known for outside of being a writer yeah your andy warhol perfect andy warhol impression yeah um (laughs) so you talk about storytelling being a storyteller like 
what's a like who's a novelist you would recommend like who are some of your favorite storytellers oh good good lord um um so you, you mentioned novelist um uh, rl stein i gotta love some i love me some goosebumps <laughs> yo um um, I'm listening to the Wheel of Time right now. Um, this is so it, 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 they just released it on Amazon. I'm not going to watch it, um, but there's it's these like 13 or 14 thousand page fantasy books that are all okay. in one series, and it's just unbelievable. Um, uh, man, I can't think. I can't remember the guy's name because it is the most basic ass name. Um, but I, I can't even quote quote him as like one of my favorite storytellers because I've only just started reading those books. Um, I don't know. You're like, I, it's time for me to take up where he left off. That's it. That's it. I, everybody, no, every, Duncan, Duncan. every, every, every storyteller who dies, I have to yeah. go and fill them in. That's I'm my whole. Be the next. You're waiting for Stephen King. That's you're it. Once he's waiting. dead, I'm gonna d- dive into horror. Yeah. Stephen King isn't a bad choice. Um, oh, I'll, let me let me look at my Audible real quick. Take um, your time. But because uh, because there are people that I want to. There's, oh, okay. So Neil Gaiman is like my man. Okay, I, I love Neil Gaiman. I uh, Neverwhere is so good, and The Sandman is like the best audiobook I've ever heard in my life. Um, it's not that great of a comic, but uh, the the Boom. audiobook is incredible. Yeah, hot take. Boom. Hot take. This is welcome back to, <laughs> to Duncan's 1990s. <laughs> welcome comic back book to, hot takes. to Duncan shit talking people wildly more successful than him. <laughs> Neil Gaiman is going to be pissed when this drops. Um. Uh, let's see what 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 have I finished? What books have I finished? Um, but um, I also think there's just perfect screenplays that have been written that that like are are very very impactful to me. So like, um, I think I think James Gunn is the man, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy two is like, like it's so funny when you're watching this fucking Marvel movie that is mm-hmm. a blockbuster and it's cost tens of millions of dollars to make and it's going to rake in hundreds of millions of dollars in the box office mm-hmm. and you're still crying in the theater because like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just so well and and the right and like it just shows what good writing does yeah absolutely. Um, like and, and i'm at a point now i'm at a point now where i don't even like notice other problems or benefits of a movie or a tv show like i don't even see the special effects or the makeup or yeah the costumes. It's, it's really cool to any art lovers out there when you can just shut your brain off mm-hmm. and you can just enjoy something without thinking like there's no part of your personality attached to it you're just like i like this thing mm-hmm. right now like i'm without sold. like what will somebody think of me for liking this oh i can like one of the biggest things that i had to learn for myself was like not liking something isn't a personality do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're so right. Like, oh, you like Fight Club? Wow, how Dude, base of you. Let me you go ahead and just tear apart Fight Club. Yeah, for it's you like, time. like b- being a contrarian <laughs> is no inherent, like, there's no inherent value in that. It doesn't make you interesting. Like, not not liking things that other people like and telling them about mm-hmm. it doesn't make you If anything, interesting. It, just, it just makes you more susceptible to your reverse psychology. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and nobody wants to... Nobody wants to, everybody wants a yes and, you know, nobody mm-hmm. wants a, nobody wants a no, but, you yeah. know, that's. Uh, and it's different outside of like a topic of conversation. It's like, oh, well, tell me why you like Neil Gaiman. And here's, here's the things that I found problematic and what I didn't like. It just being like, man, that book sucks. Like, that's not a cool take. It's not a cool take. No. But it is a cool take to be like, oh, that's interesting. Why'd you like it? Like, yeah. I didn't like it, but why'd yeah. you like it? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're allowed to not like things. Mm-hmm. Um, like and 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 we need people to not like things or else you know shit will go bad but yeah. um but when the conversation occurs and then 
somebody said like, oh, I don't like this. Why did you like it? And then somebody's like, well, here's this reason why I liked it. Yeah. And it's never something you ever considered. And you're like, wow, that's interesting. Sometimes it d- doesn't even have to be attached to the piece itself. Like, so for example, um, like I like, I lo- love films. Uh, I really like the Marvel franchise because yeah. my fiance doesn't watch a lot of films. Like I'll go and I'll just watch like weird stuff. Sure. Like one of my favorite movies is Unchain Andalou, which is like this twenties surrealistic film. It was Louis Bunnell and uh, um, Salvador Dali. Oh wow! And I don't know if Salvador Dali worked on. Yeah, worked it's, on it's it was like kind of a one-off thing, but it was a really it's just this weird, cool French fucking nightmare of a thing yeah <laughs> and i just love it I, I just love it and um but my fiance isn't super into watching stuff like that but she loves the marvel movies yeah so in a way like i've found a lot of love for marvel movies because i'm sitting there with my fiance watching and enjoying it and like you said it, like they they're decent movies and you know yeah I just like because writing. just because um uh what can i think of his name Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Not Robert Downey Jr. Um, taxi Driver. Robert De Niro. No. Martin <laughs> Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just because he says it's like junk food doesn't mean it's bad. Now, dude, sun you know chips I mean? are delicious, even if they're junk sun food. Sun chips are rad. <sighs> God, they're so good. But um, yeah, like it's it's very liberating when you can just be like. I like this thing and I don't care if you like it or not. I think humans should practice unconditional love a little bit more, <clears throat> you yeah. know, just and especially with inanimate objects like uh, <laughs> like a movie or uh, a car or, you know, like <clears throat> like I think that I, I think that we should all have things that we love and are willing to ignore flaws of <laughs> yeah. like uh, Spider-Man for me. Like <clears throat> yeah. it's, it's going to be hard <clears throat> to make a bad Spider-Man movie in my eyes. Yeah. If you have Spider-Man swinging on, on shit and saving people and being nice, then that's, that's, that's all I need. Um, I don't know. Like I, I just really look at writing when I look at entertainment and like, um like, like me and my, all, like and a lot of people I've been talking to, we've all been talking about House of the Dragon, <laughs> okay. and and it's and it's great. And and but there's people that I've been talking to. They're like, ah, oh, I didn't didn't love the costumes. Not enough tits. Not enough tits. Uh, and the nipples are too big. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what makes a show. <laughs> that's what makes a show. The size, of the nipples. Yeah. Um, but uh, and. Uh, and they talk about like I could tell there were wigs at some point, like that kind of thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, I wasn't even looking for that. Like yeah. I was just so engrossed in the writing and the characters. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I'm I'm a very like generalist person. I pay attention to a lot of things, and I and I try my hand at a lot of things. So when I can just when something allows me to just focus on one thing, it is such a relief. Yeah. And especially when some one thing is so obviously good, mm-hmm. like the writing in that show is just I can just take a nap and still wake up and know what happened because of how good it's been explained to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and it, it and like. I can still discuss the flaws of that show with anybody and be like, oh, that's interesting. Why do you think that? But in my head, I'm like, you cannot possibly change my opinion on this because there is something that I love about it unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is going to change that. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because maybe that is because of how good everything else is that I don't even have to notice it. But I don't know. As far as my perception goes, as long as your shit has good writing, I'm I'm done. Did you, have you seen Mank? Uh, Mank is that uh, is that the one about the writer yes. who uh, is the he wrote script, Citizen doc- Kane. script doctor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I haven't seen it. It's black and white, right? Yeah, watch uh, it. It's um, it's uh, is uh, it Cranston? 
No, that's, no, that's um, the other movie about the writer. Fuck, I'm so bad with names right now. Go Oldman, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yeah, 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 yeah. he plays uh, Mankovich. I, <sighs> Mankowitz? I forget his first name. Um, but yeah, he he basically wrote Citizen Kane mm-hmm. with uh, with Orson Welles, mm-hmm. who's and... a good guy. <laughs> it was a really it was really well done. I I, so. I think I watched the opening scene of that, and then I had something to go do, so I stopped yeah. watching it. Yeah. which that is about right. true for a lot of things yeah. that I've almost watched. It's really it's really good if you do have a chance to go okay. go watch it. Yeah, um, is it about similar things to what we're talking about right now? Like, yeah, it gets into the world of like writing in old Hollywood mm. and what it meant to like be a screenwriter for a big. Uh, big production company because he worked at MGM. Yeah, and then I think Ar- back then Ar- big big production companies back then were way bigger than they are now in terms oh, of yeah. what they controlled. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was and it was cool to see a, like a glimpse into old Hollywood like that. And mm-hmm. then you know he's also he's at parties with uh, um, uh, William Randolph Hearst and oh, stuff like man. that. It's like it's really cool. Um, there's this great scene where it's just like it's it's like post dinner. At William Randolph Hearst's house, and there's you know like forty people in this room, and basically the like there's a piano player there, and he's like doing some like light jazz, and he's like, "What has anybody heard about recently?" And then it's like the, they just all start riffing and talking about stuff in the news, and like the piano player's like playing behind it, and it's all really well timed. It's really cool, and they're just kind of like taking inspiration. They're talking where they can find it, Is sort of. The they're idea? just like kind of talking about like you know it was a, it was. Uh, concurrent with like Hitler's rise to yeah. power and yeah. so they're talking about that they're talking about communism socialism they're talking about like the current California election stuff like that but just the like the wit and banter back sure. and forth was really cool it was just a cool scene was there like do you think there was like an expectation in that room to be smart and to be witty and to be funny that's kind of what it seemed like yeah, yeah. that's do you ever do you ever wish that was a thing when he walked somewhere like like you hang out with a lot more comedians in Savannah than I mm-hmm. do um what are those what are those rooms like when it's like you and like and like and like Neff and Brandon and like all those guys like when it's just comedians I think they can be the, mo- the some of them have been the most fun I've ever had yeah. being alive mm-hmm. and some of them are some of the worst experiences I've ever had <laughs> being alive I mean obviously the, it's a little hyperbolic but when you've got when you've got a good group of people you're really close to that you do comedy with it it's if you from an outside perspective it's it's like for a chosen few like i think you mm-hmm. could fit in really well mm-hmm. along because you understand comedians i think people who understand comedians would get it but we're gonna just say the most fucked up things just to make each other laugh right and we can also be brutally honest with each other without the stigma of like the friendship being ruined there's some things you can't say to people uh, yeah there is a social contract to that but like <laughs> nobody's gonna bat an eye uh at a, most of the things i would say in those conversations and it's just really cool it's cool there's like sort of a brotherhood behind it um because there's like no judgment yeah do you know what i mean it's, well it's comedy right i mean yeah as soon as you as, I mean, judgment enters the equation when there's an audience and not in comedians, but I feel mm. like there's got to be this trust between comedians of like, we cannot judge or else this whole thing, whole thing falls apart. Absolutely. Like, right? I, I mean, I can I can help you with the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that um, that's not how I would do a joke, but like at the end of the day, I usually just leave people alone to figure it out for themselves unless mm. they ask for my help with writing and stuff, which I'm always happy to oblige because I consider myself a really good writer. Um, but it's like, 
I, I've never watched somebody like a fellow comedian bomb on stage and be like, they're going to suck forever. Sure. Cause that's dangerous thinking because next week that guy can well, turn a switch and he'll be the funniest person in the room. And every comedian's bombed. Right. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and that's there's no that's, way escaping it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like c- comedians who think they're bomb proof are some of the worst comedians. Cause they don't realize like how bad they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you fucking walk into the wrong room and you get destroyed. It, it is funny though. Cause I think it was Doug Stan- Stanhope said, I'd love uh, the, the best thing, about comedy is killing and the second best thing about comedy is sitting in the back with all your friends and be like this guy fucking sucks (laughs) (laughs) and uh so yeah i mean there's the little petty squabbles and some more serious issues between people but i think there's a there's some comedians that i really don't like as people or comedians but i have a an enormous amount of respect for what they sure. go up and do. Sure. And there's, it's, it's like a, it's like a union in that way. Or the, uh, like a fraternity. Yeah, I, abs- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sisterhood. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, it's interesting. So I always, I've always said that I think that in terms of difficulty of stand up and difficulty of music, mm-hmm. it's not even close. Stand up is so it's much not. harder. So stand up is it's so not. much harder. It's so much harder. Do, as somebody who's done both, I can tell you like, yeah. Um, Cause you can go up, and play guitar and sing, and you can be pretty bad at it. People are still probably going to clap for you at the end. Yeah. People, people are going to support you. Be like, that's cool. If you go up and tell a joke that doesn't land, you're not going to get more than one or two people who are going to pity laugh. Yeah. Like you are just going to sit there and stew in it if you go you're out there. And bomb. there's no, there's nothing like that in music. In music, as soon as the song's over, even people who aren't paying attention are going to be like, All right, but, I think, I think, know. and one of the big components is like. You, we can write music in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Like maybe with like some like, I'll show my fiance something like, what do you think about this? But it's like, I can't run bits by her the same way. Yeah. I, I sort of can. I'm like, is there something funny in this? And she's like, yeah, work on it. But mm-hmm. music, like if you're a musician, you can have a pretty good idea of like, I think this sounds good. Yeah. You a can be, joke is like, who knows? We'll go see. And the, yeah. the interesting thing is like, so I've seen a lot of bad musicians in my time, guys starting out that you know never really went anywhere or slowly got better. But in any case, I've seen people who I've been like, oh, they, they're not really that good, go up and play a song that I was like, damn. Yeah. Now they have that song forever. Yeah. And that, right. can, that can make an entire career for somebody. But then with a joke, it could just be the crowd. It could be the lighting. It could be one screw up kind of thing they had it could just be like these perfect set of circumstances that made the joke work and then they can go do that joke a hundred times and it will never be funny yeah if i i i think that there is some like i think what i've seen some comedians do this is back when i was this is kind of pre-pandemic when i was going to white whale um and doing and trying that was like the only time i ever tried doing stand-up was like a couple months of white whale right before things shut down yeah um and uh and 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 I bombed like every time, like I didn't have a single good set. But the, I did notice that there would be one comedian that would come up and kill, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "Wow, that's a really good comedian." And then I'd see them next week, and they try out new material, and nothing would happen. And then they do that joke I saw last week, and it would kill. Mm-hmm. And then I would see them next week, and they try new material, and nothing would happen. And they do the joke they did last week and kill. So I think sometimes people do develop a bit mm-hmm. that they know works. Oh yeah, and they can get it like down to a T, sure. like rhythm wise, and know what's going to get laughs. Yeah. Um, that to me is interesting because like 
is that how hours are built? Like you just find, you just, you just, you have, you collect those amount of, cause like, if, I feel like what would happen for me is like, if I thought something was really funny, but nobody was laughing at it, I would probably just assume that I'm just telling it wrong and try it in a new way every time. Like, mm-hmm. like, um, like I have, I have a bit about, um, that I've been trying to like convince myself to go up and do stand up comedy for a few months now. Um, but it's the most scary thing that's ever happened. Um, I have a bit about house of the dragon where everybody calls it hot D now. And, uh, and, and apparently George R. R. Martin was the one who said that, and the, who came up with it. And I just can picture very clearly the executives at HBO going up to him and saying, all right, got a new, got a name for the show. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. It's called house of the dragon. And then just him sitting there for a second. I'd be like, hmm. You know they're gonna call that hot D, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I know there's something funny there. And I would I, if I if I were me trying to develop that, I would just tell that joke in a different way every time until it got a laugh. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, like take it from different perspectives. You try to like because you got to find the angle. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I like. That's to, right. That's what I tell people is like you have to have some sort of interesting viewpoint on what you're trying to do. Like because there's nothing like I mean yeah you could get a laugh based on the way you say it, like sure. things like this. Um, the way I think about it is like, I think it was Jesselneck talked about, there's like three like sort of levels to the way you could do a joke. This first level is like, it's a joke, but anybody could have thought of it. Mm-hmm. Second, second tier is like, it's a pretty decent joke, but there's probably a couple of people who could have come up with it. Mm-hmm. Not the general population, but enough people like, a majority of comedians could have come up with that joke and then yeah. the third level is like something that you yourself only you because of your brain and how you think about it could could make it work so you'd have to like you'd have to find your thought for that joke on that like the, the something that only you could think of I, I think that like a lot of it is like like if 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 somebody has a good sense of humor and they find something very very funny mm-hmm. it's worth it to share that with a group of people. Now mm-hmm. the trouble is, uh, now the trouble is communicating it to a group of people in a way that will make them laugh the way it made you laugh that first time. Sure. And doing that without explaining the joke. Yeah. I think that's it, so much. Then that's where it's so important to set things up to mm-hmm. explain your perspective and to come at it with honesty. Because as soon as you start trying to tinker with it in a dishonest way to make the joke better, you're gonna, I feel like that's that's it. You lose it there. Like, it, I, I, it, like it's like an honest approach at something that you find very funny. Yeah. And just by being honest and by approaching it with work and with effort, then the tricky part for me is um, something I've had to put a lot of time into is like how to develop material in terms of like like keep doing the same jokes mm-hmm. to hone them mm-hmm. because I'm much more of a writer. So when I'm bored yeah. of something, it's kind of like what you're talking about. If I'm bored of a joke, like I'm not going to tell it right. Cause I'm going to be like, oh, I don't want to do yeah, this joke. Put the... So I have to, I had to figure out how do I tell this joke the same every time and pretend like it's the first time I'm saying it. it it's yeah. a big, it's a big ask. I think cutting out the fat is important too. Absolutely. Like if I know, sure. if I know the essence of this joke, I can tell it differently yeah. and get the same effect. Right. And what I've learned is like by working the material more, instead of just focusing on writing new stuff for every show or whatever, is like, I can actually, um, write way better stuff or come mm-hmm. up with a mm-hmm. more unique angle on something. It's like, it's a premise and I like it and I like the punchline, but oh, if I shift my viewpoint a little bit and I take this out and put this in, mm. 
it works way better and that's the that's the advantage of being able to work material as opposed to just writing all the time and just new premise new premise new premise do you do, you do voice memos to just hear out sounds like in your room um I record my sets yeah. and I listen back to them and I'm like, okay, that worked, that worked, that worked. You, and you, but I, okay. I write entirely in my head. So you try to record only when you're performing for people. Yes. Because it's never going to be the same as you in no. your bathroom, right? No. And I, what I find is like I write down, I don't like, some people have told me they like practice in the mirror and stuff. I think that's sociopathic. I, it, um, it, it makes me feel weird when I try doing shit like don't that. Don't do that. You don't need to do that. I, I sing for like my cat or my dog, you know, or like my roommate's cat or, or their dog, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's about it. Like, it's, that's the cats are a great, uh, a great sort of entity to bounce your music off of. <laughs> they're leave. they're awesome. They'll leave if yeah. they need to. And it's like, they'll leave right, if they them. like it. They'll leave if they yeah. don't. But yeah, it's yeah. just like there's really no consequences. Just love their cute little noses. Um, but yeah, it doesn't work like that with comedy. But and I think I'm one of the few people, based on what I've gathered, like in the Savannah scene at least, like I'm one of the few people that write in my head because I'm used to writing melodies in my head. And then sure. coming back and like, it, not the most complex things in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing, you know, like prog rock level yes stuff here, you know. <laughs> Doing but some, like, I, I, I bust out a melody and I'm like, I like the way that sounds, like a couple lyrics. I like the way that sounds. I'll come and I'll bang yeah. it out on a guitar. Um, but I just, I have this unique way of just like visualizing myself on stage and then doing like the Doctor Strange thing where you're just like running the simulation millions and millions of times and that's how I develop and I'll always write it down oh wow yeah when I, okay. I'll write the I don't write the full bit but I'll write like here's the premise here's the punchline here's like the important points that I thought of because I will forget that but I don't like record myself like like goth chick underwear trans porn <laughs> like just you know I don't do that there I know comedians who do that and like They'll do it when they're standing next to you. Goth chick underwear trans porn. Yeah. I'm going to work with that. I'll, I'll yeah. let you know what I come up okay, with. Okay, I'll help not. you come up with an angle. Right. <laughs> this is something I thought about a lot. <laughs> but, um, um, it's, so when I'm walking around at work, I might have like a melody or a lyric pop up into my head and then I have to like mid stride. Mm-hmm. Like I, like if I have to isolate myself, like if I'm in the middle of serving a table or something, mm-hmm. I have to just go somewhere in the corner, turn on record and be like, and if somebody saw me do that then you have they an would editor think that's like donkin that's taken yeah. <laughs> yeah i have an app actually that, yeah. that, that dings it shazams yeah. it yeah, you, sh- yeah, you uh, record and shazam at the same time <laughs> yes make sure i'm not stealing it um, um but that literally doing that the other day i remember i was getting ice out the back and i was like i have to stop right here right now and 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 I literally in my head was like, like I just had this whole idea of like this m- chorus of, of just repeating, you're not tough enough. And then I wrote that whole ass song later that day. I know. I know. It's kind of. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but like it just happens. Like, yeah. like I, that's something that I learned early on was like if I have an idea and I let it go, it's not coming back. I have to yeah. get it down. Yeah. Like I can't trust myself to come up with it again. Like yeah. I have to. And now, now it's a problem because I'll be at, at 4 a.m. and I haven't gone to sleep yet, and I'm about to go to sleep, and then my fucking brain is like, "Here's a song." Have you ever thought of um bab dab do? And yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I have not thought of that yeah, yet." Yeah, yeah. And then I'll have to get up. I'm like, and and it's always when I least want to. It's, yeah. Which is the funny thing. Yeah, I had to. I had to really break out of that because I would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a big issue I was running into 
when I think I was experiencing a lot of the same things you were like putting way too much pressure on myself with music, just like constantly thinking of like new stuff, just way too oversaturated mm-hmm. in my brain. I would have like two to three songs playing at the same time in my head. Like if it's like, if you just like copy and pay like pasted tracks and that and mm-hmm. played it all at the same time and it was chaos and it was oh, like, yeah. it was discord. It was like, and it was when I was trying to fall asleep and sleep oh. is, it, it's interesting because I have like a extremely addictive personality and it's mm-hmm. gotten me into a lot of trouble. But thankfully I never got into, that's fine. You just pull it back up and then just tighten this thing on the back. This game. right, This right here. Got it. Nope. Got it. Righty tighty. Got it. But it's reverse. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. You can just bring it a little bit more up, right? Yeah. Like that? There you go. There yeah, perfect. Go. Cool. Um, but I never got into meth. Like I never got addicted to meth, which was good because I love sleep so much. I mean, like I can't. When you when you take like acid or mushrooms, you know what you're getting into, and you're like, I'm not gonna sleep, but I'm also not gonna do this. Yeah, unless for three days on end. Let's make sure we're off work tomorrow. Right, right, right. So, um, but meth is but sleep is vicious cycle. (laughs) Sleep when I stop when I start not being able to sleep is when I like I get really out of sorts. So uh, yeah, I had also, to like almost detox from music in a God, weird way. I mean, like that was this like past spring and into the summer when I was like, I was like just about to graduate from college and I had six, I was like taking like my max course load and I was like, I'm graduating, I'm walking across the stage, which is weird because I didn't have to, like I could have, I still had three classes to take over the summer, so I didn't need to take a full load in the spring, but I wanted to walk across the stage. Yeah. Um, which is such a silly symbolic reason to want to do it, but I was like, I was forcing myself to. And God, like going home and just like laying on your back and just not being able to go to sleep is one of like, it's not just a horrifying feeling. It's lonely and it's, and it's compounding because uh, all yes, you want, yes, all you want yes. to do is fall asleep and you won't. And you're thinking about how little sleep you're going to get now because it's already 2 a.m. and you have to wake up at six and you're not going to be able to get enough sleep. And now how am I going to fall asleep? Cause I'm so stressed out about the sleep I haven't gotten yet. It's like, insomnia is a serious bitch like it is it is like and 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 sometimes like like medication doesn't work like nothing works like the only thing that probably works is meditation and that is the hardest thing to do is Mm -hmm. to actually sit down and focus on clearing your brain out Mm -hmm. because it's it it's really really hard it was something that i struggled with for a long time i'm so happy i'm not having insomnia right now but like yeah a month from now, it might come right back. Like it's it's just one of those things that just kind of pokes its head every now and again. Yeah. It's so frustrating. I went for like three months Ugh. with insomnia because it was like it was this weird period. I was like, doctor was like switching my medis- medicines mm-hmm. around. It was just it was too much. Yeah, and I was extremely stressed and same sort of thing. It's like I have to sleep, and I went like yeah, March through June of like ju- I was like a zombie yeah. and just it's the it sucks. There's like, uh, you know, that like, do you ever get that sense of relief when you're just like, I'm just not going to sleep tonight and I'll see what I can get done. And then you're like, oh, yeah. And then I'll, then now you want to sleep once you've given right, that, yeah, once yeah. you've kind of given that there's like a huge, I, I'm kind of fascinated by reverse psychology because, mm-hmm. because that's one thing that I've read about it during my hours and hours of Googling, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. It's like, if you tell yourself to go to sleep, your brain is going to be like, fuck you, I don't want to sleep. Right, right, right. And then if it's like, well, let's go on and do stuff, then it's yeah. like, no, let's actually go to sleep. Or you're like, you're on the couch and you're watching something, and it's not the like most compelling thing you've ever seen, mm-hmm. so you're kind of like, you doze off, 
You're like, oh, I'm sleepy. I guess I should go to bed. And, and you lay down and you're just like, wide awake. And you know, like, I, I'll experience that without having anything to really stress about sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't have anything to do tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. one thing that actually, this is weird, but I, it actually started really improving my quality of sleep is I got these front teeth mouth guards because I would grind my back teeth. Oh, I see. Um, so it's like, I, I, I physically can't touch my back teeth, which is really, that's actually surprisingly helped out a lot. I was doing the whole taping the mouth thing for a while. Mm, so you breathe, it forces so it you to breathe, you breathe out of your nose. nose. Yeah. yeah, that was good. And and then I, I'm actually, I think I'm at a point now where my mouth just stays closed. Like, I think if you do that enough, then you're- You trained it. You yeah. just trained it. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I, I A friend of mine had um really bad sleep apnea and I recommended that and he cleared it right up. Yeah. Um, Sleep is and it sleep is a whole fucking podcast. I mean, that, that's like sleep is so interesting. To Welcome me. back to the sleep. Welcome yes. back to <laughs> the soft dulcet tones. Mm, just picture is, waves on the beach. I'll be doing ASMR. I think we're just getting yeah into ASMR. ASMR. Mm. There's this video mm. I fucking love. It's like this this uh, this woman and she's like in the like a studio setup kind of thing, um, and she's doing like very. Kind of stuff, and she's like, she's got her son with her, and she's like, today we're gonna do the whipped cream challenge, and she like, <laughs> like sprays <laughs> it in her mouth, and her kid just takes two eggs, slaps it on her head, and then just screams into the microphone. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. How come when like old people do really well on the internet, they like go so hard? Like, like there's it's it, there's got to be like a secret combo of like young Gen Z kid, seventy mm-hmm. year old woman. Mm-hmm young gen z kid getting this old their grandmother on the internet yeah that is like a golden combination because it's like when i'm watching an old woman and then there's memes flying around Mm -hmm. i'm like this is what i came to the internet for yeah she's teaching me how to cook grilled cheese and there's there's something i think i think the like that older generation they're so disconnected Mm -hmm. from like they know what's happening but they're just like conceptually they're like whatever yeah like but they have so much passion for this thing you're watching them Mm -hmm. do and it's completely removed from like i'm gonna get so many likes for this i'm gonna get so many comments i'm gonna get so much it's just like i love making grilled cheese i trust i'm a baller at it absolutely and then they just like like watching watching anybody with a passion for anything outside of like creepy weird stuff is um it's it really even, is, even that. it's it is one of the i don't know i've seen some weird stuff <laughs> yeah yeah uh but like just like fucking watching like you know like old italian cheese makers but they're oh, so yeah. into it you're just like fuck i don't give a fuck about this but i like that they do you know what i mean i love specialists because i'm i'm yeah. just a i'm a nerd about specialists because i'm the opposite of a specialist. yeah absolutely. I, absolutely I do i'm not incredible at anything but i'm yeah. okay at a lot of things yeah it's the I'm, yeah jack of all trade yeah curse. master of none yeah it's like i just fucking I'm, just, I'm i am reading a book right now about that it's like about like generalism versus specialization and like mm-hmm. um i think uh, i think uh uh i think is it david epstein I gotta be careful with Jeffrey. The, that's about. I gotta be careful with the Epstein's. And Talk the about Epstein's. a specialist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, David <laughs> David Epstein. Um, it, it, it's it's called the book is called Range, mm. and it's interesting because um, it just talks about how. So I used to be a big Malcolm Gladwell fan, where I would I would like I was a very big fan of the idea of ten thousand hours mm-hmm. working on something for ten thousand hours, and you'll get really really good at it, better yeah. better than pretty much anybody. Yeah. And I still think that's true to an extent. But he's talking. David Epstein talks about how um, the people who do that tend to ignore massive things about themselves. Um, mm. And 
what if they don't like it when they already committed to doing the 10,000 hours? Uh, what if they were doing that with something they did like? What if they had a chance to peruse and try a lot of different things and then chose what they wanted to commit to? Mm-hmm. They would actually be much better at that in a much smaller amount of time mm-hmm. than most people do to do 10,000 hours of one thing. So, right. Um, which and, and the more I read about this, the more I kind of draw parallels to my own life where I went to SCAD in 2015 out of high school and then dropped out really fast. And this whole time since then, in my head, I've been like, that was a fail. Like, I marked that as a failure, mm-hmm. which is fine. I'm okay with failing. I, I'm, I'm, I try to treat that as a positive. But now I'm realizing, like, I maybe SCAD just wasn't for me and I made the right choice by trying it out, seeing if I liked it, deciding I didn't like it, and moving on to the next thing. Yeah. It's kind of helped me recontextualize this. Like, me, to bring it back to the whole musician thing, like, I tried music. I tried it very hard. I gave it my all and decided that, an adjustment was in order. Yeah. It was not a waste of time, me working on music. It was not me failing when I decided to stop doing that. It's me taking what I learned from that and trying to apply it to something else. Yeah, you know, right, what did right, I love right. about music? It's yeah. the performance aspect, the community aspect, and the art or the art aspect. And do you, do you feel like you got a lot out of life by doing it? Um, I feel like I could have gotten a lot more out of life if I had had the right attitude going into it. But in the time that you were working on it, did it, did it enhance your life until it did? Oh, it, it had to have. I well, and that's, I, that's it, my argument for things is like, like there's no such thing as like wasted effort. Right. Unless you're like pushing for something you don't really care about for or you're some hurting, unknown reason. Or you're hurting somebody by, yeah. you know. That's, I mean, like think about how many people, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, work so hard for one specific thing and then they realize they fucking hate it, but then that's all they can do now. And then they're also a super boring person to talk to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're one dimensional. But like, I mean, I think it's one of the things I'm about to turn 30 in a couple weeks. Congrats. So my, thanks. I, yeah. I did it. You I made did, it. I didn't fucking die. Yeah. Uh, and I was very active in that. Part. Lots of, <laughs> lots of great people couldn't get to 27 and you burst, you yeah. pulled right through. Well, that's like the, I, the fucking idealism kind of thing is like, fuck, I should have been dead. <laughs> Maybe I'd be famous. <laughs> I know. Right. But I think about that all the time. It's like, I know so many people that I've met throughout my life that would 100% give up anything if they could go back and be 20 again and relive their 20s because they did they I felt see. like they they felt like they didn't pay enough attention to it or they didn't get everything they wanted out of i think i was for some for one reason or another blessed with the gift of perspective and when i was 20 in my early 20s i knew like this doesn't last forever yeah and i need to pay a lot of attention to this enjoy it and I don't know, just like pay credence to what this is because it seems like a lot of people don't acknowledge this part of their life to the fullest they could. And I leave my 20s knowing that I really did pay attention and I really did have a good time. That's really interesting to me because that's, I mean, I have a similar thing where I'm, it's kind of something I've said a lot is like, I'm afraid that I'll wake up and one day I'll be in my 50s and be like, what the fuck just happened the last 25 years? Yeah. Um, And, uh, and which, by the way, nothing wrong with being in your fifties. Being fifties, awesome. I think. I think it sucks. I th- <laughs> I, th- I judge. I judge everybody in their. 50s. I'm never going to be fifty. It's dude. a mark of a bad person. Um, <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, no, but uh, but like, um, but then also part of me was like, part of the reason why I started going out during the pandemic and playing music and doing all this stuff is because I wanted to enjoy my twenties. I wanted to go out 
play guitar in front of people and get laid and go home and 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 be a rock star. Fuck right? yeah, dude. That's sex so sex cool. drugs and rock dr- sex drugs and rock and roll. Hell yeah, dude. Um but that wasn't happening. I would go out to play music and then I would not be as thrilled about the awesome camaraderie and love around me because I was so um focused on the fact that nobody was going home with me after um which is silly and it's embarrassing to say out loud but it's true like i genuinely um, every night you're like damn i wish i I was fucking it was like every night would be a disappointment (laughs) it's like every night's a failure if i'm not and i mean like it never happened like like and 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 just to give you an idea of how little it happened the place that i was going to the most was the wormhole um not exactly get laid city when it comes to anyway uh, so putting the wormhole on blast putting the wormhole on blast wormhole's a great bar with awesome music but it's not um, it's not exactly where you go if you want to it's not exactly a couple a hookup bar a singles bar Um, and it's also and and, but like the, the point is like I thought I had this vision of what my nights would be like that was not accurate and mm. what it being a musician would be like that was not accurate. And mm-hmm. it took me a long time to realize, to recontextualize recon- and realize like what I was doing and why I wanted to do it. And, um, and just, I don't know, like, and, and my, I don't know, my ego was in play a lot. And mm-hmm. once I took that out and once I became more about what I was doing and not me doing it, then, and, and, and also like reimagining why I was doing it, which is, just for the love of the game mm. um it's just been so much more of an enjoyable also i've sworn an oath of celibacy <laughs> are you for real are you fucking with me uh well i don't know apparently celibate means religious but so i guess abstinence you're just okay Abs- abs- you're just not fucking abs- i'm not fucking okay i'm done <laughs> I'm done. It's gonna take somebody like really. You're done. Hard. I'm done. Not done. fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm so done. now I'm gonna not fuck. <laughs> I'm just like, it is gonna take so like, much are, work. Like, okay, so is that in like, in perspective of like, you want to meet a nice person and develop a relationship, and that's, that's your goal. That's kind of it. Where it's oh, like, okay, you're not just like I'm gonna just be a fucking. I'm not gonna turn. Incel. I'm not gonna turn down something rad, but like okay. If, it, like I'm not gonna, dude. Fuck, now that you put it on the record, you're gonna meet like the hottest. I know. Chick and I'm putting it out there. Like, I fucking want it, and I'm, you're like, no, no, I can't. If it's for the wrong reasons, I'm not doing it. Like I just I, at this point, it's, it's like, gonna Duncan, take. I fucking want it. I'm, I'm like, this is like a you're thing. You're not worthy. And like, it's like I, I'm at a point now where I'm like, I, I you have to. Somebody has to really go hard. Yeah. If if it's or I have to be like so intoxicatedly attracted to somebody. Yeah. Like. I'm I'm like I'm ignoring all small signs. Now yeah. it's like now it has to be so obvious that I had to like yeah. and and this is and this is what you're saying. Like it's not about I've just kind of realized that like I I like sex isn't that important of a thing. Mm. It's about like agree. really feeling good about somebody. Yeah. And feeling like so you're with in a room with somebody who makes you feel like you exist. Yeah. That's way more important. Yeah. Sometimes I'm talking to people and I feel like I'm not a real person. I feel like I'm a robot because yeah, because they're not. They're, they're treating you like like you're an NPC. Yeah, it's like, so it's so infuriating. This is my story, and you're and I'm interacting with you. It's like that makes it's me feel we- sick. It's weird, especially when they realize that you're frustrated with how they're treating you and the backpedaling because it's still it's an ego thing. Still, it's not like I'm so sorry I made you feel that way. It's like oh, like. I don't want you to think like 
that I'm a bad person. Yeah, like, I don't want the, you to not like me. That was poorly put, but it's it's no, I know so mean, weird. It's so weird. It's it's so awkward because it's like I want to I want you to feel great about yourself, but this, like it, it, I don't know. Like, and by the way, this conversation feels good. Like this is the kind of conversation that I would. Like I mean, to if, have you with so. <laughs> if you say so, <laughs> I was looking for validation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, sucks, dude. Uh, <laughs> so over it. <laughs> um, but like, God, like it's the worst when like somebody's you're talking to somebody and you're just like i need to bail on this because i'm gonna make this person feel like shit if i'm not into this conversation i yeah. don't want them to feel like shit i don't want to feel like shit um but some sometimes people aren't as good at communicating and and it just leads to i don't know i don't know communication genuine communication is really important yeah. it reminds us that we're humans and it, yeah. and it lets us see things about each other that are that we that resonate with both people and yeah. when that doesn't happen it can make you feel the opposite make you feel yeah like absolutely robots. i've uh i've developed the uh i'm like the king of the misdirect <laughs> of like if i'm in a conversation i don't want to be in i will i write it out for as long as i can and as soon as there are a pause like i i am i know how to disengage without coming off as super rude. Oh yeah. And if it if it does come across like I'm done talking about this, like I'm okay with that. Uh, cuz I'm I don't leave it with like dude, this sucks and I walk away, but I'm always like <laughs> That's what I do. Oh hey, I got to I got to go do this thing like Yeah, then, yeah. Um I'm also the master of the Irish goodbye. Like I just fucking do. I'm just, so good at it. Just, just fucking Is that just dipping? And by? people people know I love them, but I'm just gone <laughs> and you'll see me at some point. I I kind of like sometimes I fantasize about like dipping out of a party without sa- telling anybody and then like I'll fantasize about like people being like, dude, where Duncan goes? You okay? Like yeah, I'm worried about Duncan. God, fucking thinking I, about I me. Just, right I now. hope Duncan's doing okay. I mean, he just left without telling anybody, and then I'm just on my car, like mm, they're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say, and this is in no way like relationship advice. This is just in my experience, like at a time where I was 100% not invested in trying to find somebody, or like, and it wasn't even like, oh, I'm just gonna fucking hook up casually. And it was it was neither of those. It was just like. I just need to take time to figure out who I am mm-hmm. is when I met my fiance. And yeah. it's like, it's, it just happens when you're not looking for it. Mm-hmm. I would potentially say, maybe not always, but in I my experience, that, I think that you're right. And, and I think it's like dating when you go into it and you're like, I'm dating, I am going around looking for people to date. That is such a complicated world full of rules and social constructs and people. You're, you're engaging in a social contract with some, like a different one every time, every, time. every different and person. It's different with everybody. And they, and it's different, different yeah. with the people they were fucking before they're fucking you. And it's like, and, and, and you might know this person, like the, especially in Savannah, like it's so constrained and almost incestual and like very, very difficult to actually navigate it that's why I feel like if I don't put any pressure on myself to do that much in the same way that I did with music, then it'll be like, it'll be just be so obvious. I'm playing like, like you playing a whole different game. Yeah. Like I'm not playing the dating and Savannah game. I'm playing the finding the person I want to find game. Yeah. And I'm not even looking. They'll, they'll present themselves to me. Yeah. Like I think it is impossible to love somebody else fully. If either you or they don't love themselves. Mm. Like you really can't because you can't take up a project of somebody who doesn't love themselves because no amount of what you can do can make them love. I mean, themselves. that's co- that's codependency one on one. Absolutely. There. Yeah. And it, I think if I would advise you on anything, it's just like just allow yourself to change, like to be open to like something coming in if it does happen, um, you know. But I'd li- I like your perspective on it. I don't think it's necessarily the 
exact same way I would word what I did. That's but fair. like, I honestly like, like sex was not a huge part of my twenties. And I know so many people that were like, that, like that's a big reason why they loved their twenties or hated it. Right. Was like, oh, I was hooking up all the time, or I wasn't hooking up all the time. I like some of the least satisfying experiences I, I've had with other people were, were like, one night stands. Yeah. It's like deeply ungratifying. It's, it's one like, of the worst feelings. I like, I that just, next morning. I just want people to leave. Or like when I'm in their place. I don't even like, even the, like disregarding the, like the sexual act, but there's, it's just like, by the way, there's the, one person I hope doesn't listen to this, by the way. But. They're definitely <laughs> listening right now. Um, but it's like, just like the, the aftermath of that. And it's like, like, oh dude, when one of you catches feelings and the other doesn't like, uh, it's uh, the worst. And like, it's the same thing we're talking about when with conversations is like there's yeah. something that is not being provided. There's here. a mismatch. Yes. Yeah. And and one of us needs to bail as soon as possible or else the other person will feel like their time has been wasted. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't want. I don't want anybody to feel like I wasted their time, which is and which usually involves having tough conversations with people yeah. being like, hey, we can't do this anymore. And it's not because I don't like you. It's because I do like you and I don't right. want to fuck you up. Do you have a hard time saying no or an easy time saying no? Once I've said no once to somebody, I'm pretty brutal. Like, like what, like when somebody has been like, when so, like, like, the, like, sort of recently, kind of not recently. Like, there was somebody who I hooked up once with, and then felt awful the first time, and then kind of like distance from, and then like a couple weeks later, it happened again, and then at that point, I had the conversation with her, and I was like, never again. Yeah. So sorry, and as nicely as possible, like in person, nicely, like to their face this is how I feel. We can't do this anymore. I'm so sorry. Let's be friends. And then it was great. But then she kept like sliding in my DMS. Mm-hmm. And at that point I have no problem being like, dude, no, like I've, we talked about this. Right. Um, I, is, I, is getting to that first now hard. I don't think it is now. Okay. Ever, ever since I had this new kind of perspective on it, like back when I was like, just really trying to get laid. Mm-hmm. Then when that was offered, it's hard for me to say no. But now that I'm like, that's not my prerequisite now. Now I'm like, I'm looking for like a great time. Yeah. Or like, a, or like happiness, you know? I guess, I guess I was talking like outside of the. Do you mean the, just in general? Just not, in general. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, I do. I definitely do. Especially when it's like people need help from me. Like if, or if I can come and help somebody out, like, um, or if I've committed to something, like I can't back out of a commitment. Like, that makes well, that's good. Awful. That's that is yeah. A good that's thing. That's, that is that's a good, good trait. It gets me into trouble because um, I'll yeah. commit to two things, and uh, then, you know, yeah. and then not, and then I'm disorganized, just disorganized enough so that I might schedule two things at the same time. Right. Which that is happen. That happens a lot, and that that's the worst. Um, then you just have to go to whatever you committed to first, and then bite the bullet. But um, or almost kill yourself trying to make both things work yeah um yeah i do have trouble saying no now which i honestly am okay with that um when it comes because now i'm just trying to surround myself with opportunities that i don't want to say no to Mm. um and and like um like for example like and 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 it's going to come off as braggy but i was super surprised by this so i I hosted this um, this music thing a few months ago, maybe about a month ago now. Called uh, it was called Aftermarket Party. It was at Three Points, which is this little thing off Orchard Street. It's like a food truck area, 
and I and I, and a few of my friends were in bands and played on it, and I was emceeing the whole thing. I got plastered, and I went on stage and just drunkenly introduced my. There's my friend Suzanne. Uh, uh, so good, and I just said nice things and gushed over everybody, and I was really drunk and it was really funny. Um, but apparently, I did okay. And then my friend Suze asked me to co-host the Abe's Open Mic Night. Which is every other Monday at Abe's total, at, at at Abe's Are on they Lincoln. Still doing it at Abe's? Oh yeah, Damn. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's every two weeks. Huh. Um, and my friend Susie was like, "For Halloween, do you want to co-host it?" And then drunkenly, blackout drunkenly on Sunday, I was like, "Yes, of course." And I didn't remember that it was a thing until like a day before it happened, and I was like, "Oh God, good thing I remember now." Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like this thing that I kind of like accidentally said yes to, and then did it. And fucking like got didn't even expect to get paid for it, and I got paid for it, and mm -hmm. like it was just. That's the kind of thing that I want to surround myself with. Those are the kind of things that I want to get myself into trouble by saying yes to, because then that takes me out of my comfort zone at home where I can just eat popcorn and play video games and do nothing. Right. Um, and then like makes my work, makes something that's stressful for me because there's always going to be stressful things in my life. If yeah. those stressful things are me doing what I love as hard as I can, that's something good to say yes to. Sometimes I should, maybe I should even force myself to say yes to those things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I want to be uh, like it's just about finding the right things to say yes to. Yeah, I should definitely be overworking myself, but just overworking myself at the right stuff. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Sure. So, I think yeah, that's the mentality I'm trying to have. Make make a good life doing lots of weird, cool things. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. No expectations there. Yeah. So. Yeah. What do you um? Do, do, what do you write other than comedy and songs? Do you write Do you write scripts? Um, I don't really write scripts. Uh, I started, I've like attempted writing like short stories before. I was kind of like, I haven't really found my voice in that, but I, I did kind of start, I wrote the first chapter of something. I don't know if it's going to be like novel length, so maybe just a novella or something. Sure. Yeah. But it's a story that I'm very familiar with and I'm hoping that's the difference maker. Okay. I really like how it started. Um, and what I'm forcing myself to do now is a practice in patience. So I've written the first chapter. I'm going back um, like every day and tweaking and changing. That's good. Just working on that. That's good. Um, making sure it's cohesive and it kind of like every every sentence is like focused on what I'm trying to convey. Yeah, as a before purpose. I even move on to the next chapter. I have like I have the general skeleton. Like I know what I mm. want to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, placement might need scrutiny or whatever, but I'm just focusing on it one chapter at a time. So I am, I'm going to take that pretty serious. And it's sort of like, it's like the album I released. It's like, it's not necessarily about it being perfect mm -hmm. as much as it is just doing it finishing because it. then things can happen yeah. after that. Yeah. Uh, so the goal is just to, to do it. Cause mm -hmm. I don't have a problem committing to things. I have a problem stopping yeah for like for any number of reasons i i don't i've i've never been a fan of like half committing to things but it is like it is easy for me to just like not to drop what i'm doing but to start something else and i'm t i'm taking yeah. that lesson into making chapters like I'd it'd be so easy for me to like like i'm not even going to worry about the first chapter i liked it write 10 chapters and then it's like now i have to edit the whole thing mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. a lot as opposed to like no i really like how this chapter works then work on the second chapter and then you have some time to 
work on that and see how it's working with the first chapter. Like I'm, I'm sure. taking a very measured approach to it because I've never really done that. I'm kind of a whirlwind when it comes to writing, that's, and that gets me into trouble. It's interesting because it's the opposite approach that I take, where I want to just vomit onto the page, get the whole thing done. Oh, that's I absolutely want to yeah. do that. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> that's why I'm forcing myself it's, to not do that. Well, it's, it's especially when it comes to a novella or a novel, like yeah. it's just there's no quick way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just you have to. Ugh. Actually, do you mind if I read you the first chapter? Oh, I do it. Whole I fucking do it. And I want different voices for each character. And... Dude, that is like the most. Fun. I love artists, but in those early stages, and I get it because you have to play in front of as many people as possible or show your music to as many people as. But when you're in a conversation with somebody, they're like, "Do you want to listen to my song?" I'm just like, "Fucking." Yeah, you also need like I also think as an no. artist, people need perspective, right? Like, yeah, like no, like I never wanted to be the guy at the party who just brings out the guitar. Like I never like no, like dude, that oh, like fuck. it's and like I like it's 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 I I'm only comfortable playing music for people at a place where that is the intention that is what I yeah, expect to be doing. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. comedy. Like I don't want to. Oh yeah. So, so many like, times when people are like, "Oh, you're a comedian? Like, tell me a joke." I'm like, no. Fuck you. That's not what comedy is, though. Like. And I don't like I don't want to just do street jokes. I don't even really know any street jokes. And, and so it's like I don't know. But the interesting thing about that though is that you can just be funny without doing com- quote unquote comedy. You know, Absolutely. like just via conversation. You can't just uh, start singing in the middle of a conversation and right, make, it, right, make right. it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although you could, I guess you could talk about music. I don't know. It's one of those things though. I feel like the majority of time when people ask for their 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 using the guise of like I'm asking for advice at least in my personal experience is like I'm I want you to tell me it's good because that's what I did a lot that's People, like I just want to hear that it's good I don't I don't have any intention of taking your notes seriously i have no mm-hmm. inti- i just want to hear it's good people and wanna, that's a problem people want to feel validated i think it's yeah. a big savannah thing too it's in their culture yeah. it's we support each other and i think yeah I, and, and um like who's gonna get booed at Senate bean like or even totally awesome i got close a couple times <laughs> Never actually, with music. Actually, just, I can think of a couple people that would get booted in Indian Bean. Yeah. Uh, but um, there's like, you'd have to be pretty aggressively. There's, there's like, you'd have to, just in general, you'd have to be pretty aggressive to get booted in Indian Bean. I, yeah. I think you have to be on purpose offensive to get booed on Indian Bean, um, which some people come close to. It's yeah. interesting how there's a, um, I think I think a lot of comedians, especially comedians who haven't quite found their footing yet, mm-hmm. are drawn to just something be offensive, being offensive for the sake of it being offensive. That is absolutely what I started with. Yeah, I was, I was absolutely a shock jock. Well, why not? I mean, why not start with something that you know people will respond to? Well, and comedians laugh at that kind of stuff. Yeah, like when I like I was saying earlier, hanging out with comedians, like I could say like the most fucked up stuff and they laugh. And just laughing because sometimes like, I can't people you just d- like. Said that. You know, it's one of those things, but like civilians don't want to hear that. <laughs> they don't want to like, dude. I mean, I've said some wild fucking shit. Yeah, I mean, and it's I've... like I don't necessarily. I think it's funny because it's like just for sake of being fucked up, but it's not good comedy. I I have an interesting story. So I was in I was in a playwriting class this last semester, my my last semester at Georgia Southern, and um, and uh, we would we would pretty much every class we would have an assignment. We would come in. Usually it would be like a two or three scene script, and we'd read it. We'd have actors. We'd have people in our class perform the different characters we're mm-hmm. reading for the first time. And there's this one girl. She's in the Statesboro campus, so she was on the screen. We had like a dual classroom. Some of us were in Savannah. Some of us were in Statesboro. And uh, 
I didn't know whose play it was because I wasn't really paying attention, but they started reading the play and it was about this black family and like slave times or like mm-hmm. it was either slave times or like big civil rights here, like, like just extreme okay. racism, you know, like, right, and, right, and like, right. and like this black family dealing with, with this extreme, extreme racism. And, and the entire time I was like, this is like an interesting story, but it feels kind of like cliche and weird, but I don't want to say anything because it's about race. Cause it's, cause it's about it's race. Kinda, yeah. It's a hard you know? sell. Like, and yeah. And I was like, this is like very, <laughs> this, like, this, this play about slavery seems a little stereotypical. It's a little, it's a little played know, out. I don't know if it's a, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's historically accurate. Dude, that's because, such a hard is, sell to well, like, well, here's the kicker is that I was thinking about like, wow, they're really painting with broad strokes here, but like, whatever, like I'm not, it's not my place. Mm-hmm. And then like when I find out who wrote it, it was this white girl from the other side. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. And of course, like the, the class, which is like at least half black, probably more just absolutely tears into her, like yeah. about how like this was not her story to tell. Like, and and like, not like, not like vehemently going again, but there is a little bit of passion and like how some of the students were like critiquing it. Yeah. And, um, but the entire time I was like, God, that took some balls though. Like, yeah. like I would never be able to do that. Like my, in my head, I was like, she missed, like she took a big swing and a miss and she's right to be critiqued. Right. But I never in a million years would be brave enough to do something like that. Well, and that, she committed like a 10 page thing to this. It also might be just a lesson in self-awareness yeah it and is. it's not necessarily like as a comedian i think like a lot of top like you know some, there's social rules now um <laughs> and it's like it, i i as a purist i don't think topics should be off limit if you can do it correctly and if you can but approach it like, with honesty and respect genuinely like if you work in a vacuum mm-hmm. and you really don't have a lot of historical context or like if if you don't if you don't have a genuine claim mm-hmm. to why you're doing this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i think it's a totally different play if she actually did work with people who right. that's their story if you have a co-writer or you read a lot of literature yes. on the period or you're like this i'm is your f- passion this yeah is it's like thing. like um i'm reading a book right now it's by charles frazier and it's about the wife of jefferson davis president of the confederacy that's interesting and there's there is like it's it's not themed around slavery in the least but he's probably one of the most well-read people of the civil war era and all things around that era so i feel like he has a lot of liberty to write about those sorts of things yeah because he's researched it vehemently for years he's gonna be in that top one percent of people who know how to tell this story based on expertise yeah and it's like i said it's not like obviously slavery is a part of the book it's not the focus yeah so and that's kind of the thing is like if you're gonna make that a central thing you should probably do a justifiable amount of work on that not just like like i want to i i think one of the i i, I like to think of functions of things like uh, like functionalism and how and how everything is a function i think one of the main functions for comedians is like and this is why a lot of novice comedians go straight to the controversial stuff and yeah. don't even like just go for it um really great comedians find things that humanity has deemed controversial but are wrong about it being controversial and then and then comedian great comedians use honesty like a hot knife through butter and cut right through why like like why this is bullshit and why it's so funny that it's bullshit like i'm trying mm-hmm. to think of an example but um 
A lot of Bill Burr stuff. Is a lot like of Bill that. Burr stuff where he starts a joke and you're like, oh God, like this is this is bad. Like I, his his career is about to be over, mm-hmm. and then and then he saves it. Yeah. And 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 it's like because the point he's making isn't about why so and so is wrong. It's more about like this is what we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I'm. If I fuck up a Bill Burr joke, it'll make it'll I'll never be able to show my face again because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll become a, a bad controversial figure. Well, he, he 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 had an interesting one, and it was about like the body positivity movement, mm-hmm. which is like what he said. He was like, oh, basically the way he packaged it, he was like, women, if you supported the WNBA the way you supported fat models, <laughs> like you would be bigger than the NBA. Yeah, it's like right. it was basically like. It was like if you uh, if you paid as much like attention to that as you do to a fat woman who's no longer a threat to you. Sure, sure. And he like he did the whole thing. That, he was like, it's... "You go, girl. You look so beautiful. You look great. Oh my god, I would kill myself." Yes, like, he looks, yeah, yeah. That's right. He's he's playing into your own uh, hypoc- hypo- yeah. hypocrisy. That's right. And he's like, you know, it's probably it's valid. He, probably because he can see things that he's hypocritical about and can yeah. apply it to other and can and therefore can use that as a lens to see what other people are. Yeah. I think really great comedians are very are masters of their own flaws. Yeah. And that's why we trust them. Yeah. Cuz you like, oh, you know who you are. Maybe you know something about me too, you know. Right, right, right. Tom Segura is great at that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I could talk about comedians for hours. Well, let's do it. Strap in. I'm going to, I, you know, we've been talking a while. I'll probably just break this up into two parts. Yeah. What time is it? It's 8.22, so we're almost at an hour and a half. Yeah. We're doing pretty good. Now I don't care. I'll break it up into two episodes. I don't care. Um, maybe we, uh, what if we just, uh, try to, let's come up with a topic that could lead us, maybe lead us out. Like what's, uh, sure. Yeah. What's a good, uh, uh, falling action? So is this like is is this your first podcast you've been on? This is probably the first podcast I've been on. What do you mean probably? Well, my dad and I wanted. Good to night, start ladies one. and gentlemen. Yeah. No. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> um, what my dad and I wanted to start one right right before the pandemic started, where um, we actually recorded it, never released it. Oh, okay. Um, where he we, it was just on Zoom or Skype or whatever it was back then. Yeah. I feel like Zoom wasn't invented until the pandemic happened. You got it big. Just, it was just all Skype. Got big then. quick. I did. Um, but um. And then there was like, and then the the stuff that we did with Oliver last week was sort of podcasty, but it it didn't really get fully off the ground. And then, um, so so have you thought about anything that you and I would talk about that we didn't talk about? Um, that you would like to talk about? I I I'm sure I had some ideas going in. Um, but I don't know. I just I got I I kind of just fell into the conversation very quickly. Um. Uh, I have that effect on people. I know you do. You do. I felt it. I, I still feel it. Yeah. Um. We. Uh, well. Uh, all right. So you're moving. You're moving to Nebraska. Uh, to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um. Sorry. I'm playing on my college football uh, dynasty. I'm playing as Nebraska. That's why. I'm, oh, okay. Nebraska's on the mind. I got you. Um. NCAA 14. Good game. Um. But uh. What, so what? Um. Is it just you and your fiance are both moving up there? Yes. Okay. How's yes. that? How how are you feeling about that? I'm excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, it's kind of a, it's a good move for a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons. So she's uh, she's initially from Canada, but but her family's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we we're getting married there in June, uh, you know, we want to start laying the groundwork for starting a family. Sure. 
and it'll be a big help having her her family there as well mm-hmm. and you know I I got to I got the experience as a child to grow up with grandparents in Savannah yeah and that was a huge part of it three generation uh, households are awesome yeah I mean we didn't all live in the same house but they, but they were around just lived in town yes sure. and a lot of access to that and then on top of that I think it's a big step up in terms of a comedy scene. There's an actual comedy club there. It's one of the best in the country. There's a lot of there's a lot more open mics than there are here. Uh, there's a bigger music scene. Yeah, there is. I, and, I read into that when I was looking at it. Yeah, and I just lots of festivals, lots of opportunities mm-hmm. to play, and that's kind of what I'm doing artistically is attacking from all fronts, like just trying to make something happen, something mm-hmm. anything happen. Uh, so it just it makes sense in a lot of ways, and also like I've comedy has come more recently but it's such a huge part of my life now and it's a avenue that i want to try to make it at but i still come into it with that musician mindset of like i think a lot of comics have the like oh the romanticism i'm gonna move to new york and i'm gonna be a new york comic or an la comic and act and stuff for me i've always been i've just wanted to be a road dog yeah you know as a musician that's how you make your money you don't make your money staying in one place and playing shows you make money touring so Mm -hmm. the translation of that is like i've just I think the Midwest is a really good base of operations for touring because there's so many big cities all kind of together and everything's kind of drivable. Yeah. Um, That's true. I mean, you're not too far from Chicago. You're not too far from St. Louis. You, yeah. you got Madison Minneapolis. is already a city right yeah. there. Yeah, Minneapolis. you got Twin Cities up there. Ohio's a drive, but it's like and it's a also, lot of good. It's also Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of good comedy cities, a lot of good comedy towns. Oh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard Cleveland is like. Cleveland. Columbus yeah. is big. Um, Cincy. Cincinnati. Yeah. There's a lot of shit up there. Um, I, it's a it's a realm of the world that I've really never, never really gone to. I went to. I think I went to Omaha when I was a kid yeah. uh, to see the World Series, and then that's about it. Um, my best friend's from St. Louis. My dad has always said St. Louis people and Chicago people, those are the best people. Really? He's, yeah, he's always been like, it, like my my dad is pretty interesting. He 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 spent thirty years of his life um, traveling, training people how to be financial advisors. Oh, okay. Um, and then like realized that he hated it like thirty years in, and then and then left. But he in the meantime like. It's classified people based off what part of the country they're from. And it's so interesting because he's like, I hate Alabama people. I hate Arkansas people. I mm-hmm. really don't even like Georgia people. Mm-hmm. I love Chicago people. Yeah. Love, love, love. Um, he's like, he loves the Midwest people from the Midwest. Yeah. Loves Chicago I've, and St. Louis. I've, I've liked a lot of the sort of ethos I picked up on from people in that country. I, I relate to it a lot because I spend a number of years in uh, Idaho and Montana. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just like I've really connected with like blue collar sort yeah. of people because I, I worked as a welder for a number of years. And I, there's just like sort of an honesty to the life of mm-hmm. it. There's just the self-awareness and there's like there's a like a groundedness to those kind of people. Sure. Down to earth. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that's what my dad likes. Um. Yeah. I, 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 I like people <laughs> with ideas. But if you're a great idea person who can't actualize any of them, I don't have a lot of time for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like planners. I don't like, I don't like what if guys, unless they're the what if guys I, that can make something happen or know the how to 
work with people who can make stuff happen. It's like, show me, don't tell me, right? Like, like yeah. show me you can do something. Don't just tell me you can do it. Right, right. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that ends up in a lot of disappointment and a lot of oh frustration. Oh, my God. Just tell me about it. We've like, completely wrapped around. I know. To way, our pre-podcast. <laughs> secret conversation. Yeah, to our secret pre-contest shit talking. Um, but I'll ask you this. What's like, what do you think the your time for the foreseeable future is moving forward in Savannah? I think I'm... All right, so um, I can start getting into some plugs now. Um, so me, Philip Wise, who we mentioned earlier, love who Phil. is just such a fucking good guy. I love um, you, Philip. Philip Wise, we love you. Um, and then Wade Bonkowski, who's a drummer. Um, I fucking hate that guy. Fuck that you, guy. Wade. Terrible no, I'm just I don't know I Wade. Um, <laughs> I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Wade's great. Um, you might have met Brett. Um, Brett is big beardy guy who does poetry at Sunny Bean sometimes. What's his uh, name? Brett, Last name? Fi- Brett Phillip. Uh, Brett, Brett Davis. I always wanted to call Brett him Brett Phillips because that's a baseball player's name. Okay. Uh, Brett Davis. Um, you might have seen him. You might have You might have been outside when he was in there, but um, he's a. He's just a really great, gentle, beautiful human. And um, and uh, we, the four of us are trying to, along with other friends who, who, are, who we'll mention at some point later once they kind of become more involved, um, we're starting to kind of have this project where we are finding singer songwriters. We are empowering them by booking them and also like inviting them to jam sessions where they can rehearse their songs with a band. Mm. And, um, and then we're trying to put them with that band and put them on stage at a show that we book. And so, um, and so that's, that's something that I really, and eventually we would like to turn it into a record label that might, that's a long way away, but that's the, that's our kind of our long-term goal. And um, so, but at first we just want to be this kind of local booking agency that isn't really concerned about complete products. We're more concerned about talented people and supporting them as individuals and giving sort them- of like startup. Like yeah, them a, a, like a, a collective. Yeah, like a like a, I want to call it uh, like Savannah Songwriting Co. We're still okay. workshop shopping the name, but something yeah. like that. And uh, Slywise, Slywise, yeah, there it is, Slywise, Slywise, Philokowski. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and so and, and like I said, like I met, like I mentioned it briefly earlier, but I really liked hosting this these these last couple of things, and so I think. I think me being like an MC event host is kind of my vibe, but also like, I want to keep making music. I want to see where that goes. And um, I want to hear a couple of my songs with the band behind me and see if that's something that I want to do. Um, so I'm just keeping an open mind. Um, I'm about to go to back to grad school. Uh, I'm applying for UGAs. Push online. some of that debt. Kick the can down the road. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that it's got, now that my debt got canceled and then non canceled and probably going to get canceled again and then oh, non canceled again, it's a whole thing. Um, Thank you, the court, the federal court system. Yeah, um, right. But uh, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm gonna probably take some screenwriting classes online if they accept me, um, and just go from there. I don't want to leave Savannah yet, man. I'm I'm kind of digging it here for a second. You know, I've, I've, there was a moment there where I was thinking about leaving, but yeah. um, but I think I'm here for a minute. I'm working at Black Rabbit on Barnard Street, and it's I love a, Black Rabbit. I love that place. Come by and see me sometime on the weekends. I work on the weekends. Oh yeah, and um. And uh, still going to keep doing the Sunny Bean open mic until until they kill me, which Melanie should be here any any second now to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, what else? I know there's at least one. Oh yeah, uh, the the my comic book, The Ballad of Gordon Barleycorn. I'm drawn by the very talented and wonderful Colin McHugh. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Gordon Barleycorn underscore comic. 
We are being uh, published by Scout Comics, who are fantastic. And um, issue one is in stores around the Southeast and into the Midwest. And um, if you want to pick it up locally in Savannah, go to Neighborhood Comics. We love those guys. And if you go to the local arts and artists uh, section, we should be right there. Oh, yeah. I'll, um, um, and I'll get you to send me the link. Yeah. And I'll put the Instagram in the episode description um, and your personal stuff, anything Great. you want. Uh, yeah, I think. Any any other things said any, unsaid? Any last okay. words? Um, no, dude. Thank you for thank you for having me on, man. This yeah, was, absolutely. This, this was, was fun, dude. Yeah, yeah it's great. I'm glad it, you it, came I, in. I I kind of halfway through, I was like, wow, we're just kind of burning time right now. This yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Sometimes the conversation just yeah goes goes places. That's know. kind of how I honestly. That's exactly how I expected it to go. I figured we'd just come in and vibe. So. Hell yeah, dude. Great. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. And cut. Nice. <laughs>